The Westall UFO Incident We are sure of our place in the world, right? We dominate the planet and its resources, and are among the smartest living beings on Earth. And yet, we are not. Let me tell you how we know. It's because of events like this one, the Westall UFO sighting, which is the most famous Australian UFO sighting. This event is not a hoax or a random story about someone who saw a strange light somewhere out in the middle of the bush, or thought that they saw some random object in the sky at night. It's a true event that was witnessed by at least 200 witnesses, who all saw the same thing at the same time and place, and all in broad daylight. It was the 6th of April 1966, and that day started as any other in the city of Melbourne, Victoria. There was nothing about the day itself that was remarkable. People went on about their business, they travelled to work, shops opened as usual, and students attended their schools. Easter was just around the corner, and no doubt workers, teachers and students were looking forward to a short break for the holiday. It seems incredible to think that this ordinary day, in an ordinary suburb of Melbourne, would soon become the most inconceivably extraordinary day for over 200 people. It would also be a day in which it would only take a very short time for these people's lives and their very perception of their place in this world to be changed forever. A day that threw the town into turmoil and raised some frightening questions about who we are and what we don't know. Westall High School, which is now named Westall Secondary College, is found in one of the suburbs of the city of Melbourne. It was around about 11am on this morning of Wednesday the 6th of April 1966 that school was in session as usual. There were children outside on the oval engaging in a physical education class and playing sports. There were other children in class who were eagerly watching the clock, awaiting for their morning break. The sound of children playing on the oval behind the school could be faintly heard at a distance from the classrooms. Some of the students looked down at their desks, probably quite hungry by now, and waiting for recess. Suddenly, the sounds of children playing outside would turn into an eerie silence. The children who were already outside stood in shock as they looked up into the sky, they saw a strange object hovering there. Andrew Greenwood was a science teacher at the school. He was running his class for the day when suddenly a young student burst through the door into his classroom. She was obviously quite worked up and called out, Mr. Greenwood, there's a flying saucer. Obviously, this disrupted the class and the students began to chatter and jump up from their seats. Now, interrupting a class in this manner was unheard of in 1966, and Mr. Greenwood was quite annoyed at the young girl for interrupting in such a way. He sent her away from the classroom, but it was a little too late. The children did not want to miss the spectacle unfolding outside. As the recess bell sounded, the students all ran outside following the girl who had just burned into the class, with Mr. Greenwood close behind them. He was both angry and curious as to what was going on. At first he thought it was some kind of prank, but was stunned into silence when he went outside. He stood in awe of what he saw, and tried to rationalise what was in the sky behind the school. As more and more children spilled out of the classrooms and onto the sports oval, 
Mr. Greenwood turned his sceptical and analytical mind to this strange object. He observed it to be a grey object, and almost plate-like and cylindrical in shape. It hovered in the sky over the oval silently. It was still for a time, but when the object did move, it seemed to move with precision, as if it was being intelligently controlled. The children gasped and pointed as they watched this object. One of those students, Joy, who was 12 years old at the time, was one of the students in Mr. Greenwood's class. She too had ran out with a crowd of students, and recalled there were so many other children already out there, staring up at the sky. She had no idea what she was seeing, but she recalled three objects hovering in the sky. She observed how they moved, and also couldn't explain it. Among one of the other children who were already outside was Terry. She had been playing cricket on the sports oval outside, when suddenly she too saw three objects hovering above the school. She observed for a few minutes the objects as they sat in the sky, silent and stationary. They then seemed to drift towards the back of the school and across to an area that they called the Grange, which was basically a nature reserve across a field and a dirt road from the school. Several students watched as one of the silvery-grey objects appeared to descend to an area at the back of the school in the Grange. While teachers struggled to maintain order with the students, quite a few of the students did the unthinkable and ran off after the object and off-school property. They jumped over the fence and ran into the Grange. Here, they intended to approach the object that they saw. A few students kept their distance, as even though they were excited about the event, they were also unsure what to expect. Others dared to get closer to it, and they saw the object on the ground and gasped at it. It was a large, rounded silver object, about twice the size of a car. It had lights all around the bottom of it, and those lights seemed to give the object a purple glow. The object, whatever it was, also gave off some kind of heat. The students looked closely as it seemed to be smooth all around. It had no windows and had no visible markings. It also made a very low buzzing or humming sound. Now, all the witnesses maintained that it wasn't any type of aircraft. The school was not far from Moorabbin Airport and the children and teachers were used to seeing aircraft every single day. But this was unlike any other aircraft they had ever seen. Two other students, Jackie and Tanya, at this point also headed for the object. Tanya ran on ahead and tried to get to it. It's thought that Tanya was the first of the children at the landing site, and most of the students there seemed to recall that Tanya actually got to the object. Now, we don't know what happened at this point, but the next thing that Jackie and Terry saw was a hysterical Tanya running away from the object and screaming. She looked deeply terrified, which made the other students freeze for a moment and question whether being there was actually safe. Tanya ran as quick as she could past the other students and back towards the school as she screamed. She was inconsolable. Another girl fainted, seeing the scene before her. All the while, the object on the ground simply remained there, as if not bothered by the goings-on. And the other two objects remained in the sky, at a distance and simply hovered silently. As the students focused their attention on this object on the grass, 
more and more of them arrived at the location, and eventually it did seem to react. Finally, it did something. It slowly, and almost silently, except for that low humming sound, raised itself off the floor and elevated to a height of about four meters off the ground. Then, the object did the strangest thing of all. As the saucer-shaped object hovered there, it suddenly turned 90 degrees onto its side, positioning itself vertically. And then it shot up straight into the air at ridiculous speed and simply disappeared. All without making a sound. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Soon enough, all three objects were gone from sight, leaving some very bewildered and wide-eyed children and teachers behind. Left behind were excited students, flabbergasted adults that included both school staff and people who happened to be in the area at the time. And, more importantly, in the grass remained the marks of an object that had landed. It was as if the grass had been burnt into a circle, with one witness stating that the area instead looked like it had been cooked or boiled into a circular shape. By the end of the whole event, between 200 to 400 people had witnessed the bizarre incident, and of those, 147 people personally reported seeing the circles left behind in the grass. Within about 20 to 30 minutes after the event, the military arrived at the school in numbers, and they appeared to have included members of the Army and Air Force, given the uniforms described at the time. The military personnel took over the area and stationed guards at certain points, as well as moving the children away from the Grange. They also entered the school grounds and seemed to take over the place for a while and made sure that they kept the staff and students contained on the grounds as much as possible. The military personnel were also intent on keeping people away from the Grange, but as the children knew their way around the fields, like the back of their hands, they could sneak in and out as they wished to. Some of them snuck out and sat silently behind some trees, not wanting to be seen. They saw that there were soldiers standing guard around the circular impression in the grass, and as they looked closer, they noticed that within that circle there were people with equipment that looked like they were taking some kind of measurements. But being children, they were unfamiliar with the equipment the men were using, but they knew that they were very keen on trying to figure out what was happening to that grass. The children who had snuck back in to observe the men taking measurements then decided to sneak back to school before their absences were noticed. By this time, the media had also arrived at the school and were trying to get interviews with witnesses as to what had happened. Joy, who was one of the witnesses, was interviewed by Channel 9 News after the event. She was talking to a reporter about the incident, when suddenly a man in blue uniform, who looked like he was from the military or the police, interrupted the interview. The man approached her. He put his hand on her shoulder and firmly told her to stop talking about it. Joy, intimidated, went quiet. Then the man told her to go back to class. As Joy walked back away to the school, she heard the man speaking to the reporter and the cameraman. 
he told them that they had to leave. Strangely, later on that week, Joy would get a detention, just because she had spoken to Channel 9. In the days following, the school principal then went to great lengths to sort out the issue. The principal called a whole school assembly. At this special assembly, the children were told by the school in no uncertain terms that they hadn't seen anything unusual, and what they had seen was simply a weather balloon. They were also told that if they had thought they'd seen anything other than a weather balloon, that they were hysterical, and that they were not to talk about it. Yes, the school had intimidated the students into being quiet about it, and further intimidated them with suggestions that they would be considered mentally unwell if they thought they had seen anything. Some two weeks later, the science teacher, Mr Greenwood, got a knock on his door at home. When he answered the door, he noticed that one man was in plain clothes and the other appeared to be from the Air Force. As he had already spoken to the military about the incident and what he had seen, he was simply under the impression that they wanted to ask him some follow-up questions and so was happy to speak to them. But this time, instead of asking him to recall the incident, they went to great pains to assure him that he'd not seen anything at the school. Confused and standing his ground on the issue, Mr Greenwood insisted that he had seen something that he just couldn't explain. He started to describe it again for the men, and now the conversation took another turn. They stopped him short and started to intimidate him, and threatened him with the loss of his job. Perplexed, Mr Greenwood wanted clarification. They stated that if he believed he'd seen something, that he was obviously drunk on duty at school, and, as a result, he would be reported to the education department, and, if that were so, he would never work again as a teacher in the state. He was then clearly and plainly told by the men not to talk about it again to anyone. Then the men left. Interestingly enough, though, 12 months later, he was asked by officials from the USA to discuss the matter with an investigation that was run by Professor James MacDonald, which he did. Now, we need to go back a step to see what happened with poor old Tanya. She was the young girl who had been screaming hysterically and was inconsolable. The day of the incident, she had to be taken away by ambulance. The next day, out of concern, her friend Jackie, who had been the one who had walked with her to the Grange to check out the object, decided that she should check in on her friend Tanya. She walked up to Tanya's house and knocked on the door. She knew the house well as she had been there several times before and waited for a response. Strangely, a lady who Jackie did not recognise answered the door. She thought to herself, this isn't Tanya's mother, but maybe it's a relative or aunt. Regardless, she asked for her friend Tanya, and the lady responded to her in perfect English. Jackie was confused, and here's why. Tanya's family were of Eastern European descent, and her parents barely spoke English, and when they did, they had very heavy accents. The woman asked Jackie what she wanted, and she asked about her friend Tanya. The lady told her that no Tanya had ever lived there. Tanya never returned to the school, and she was never seen again by her classmates. Despite the fact that the whole incident was witnessed by between 200 to 400 people, 
students, teachers and people not from the school where official reports were made, and that several interviews have been given on the record to investigators and the media about what occurred that day, and that genuine non-government investigations have occurred into the incident. The government is silent on the issue, and the military has denied all knowledge of the incident. The government has made no admissions, no cooperation, just silence. There is no official publicly available information about the incident, nor about which agencies may have been involved, despite the hundreds of eyewitnesses. To this day, residents and witnesses are still baffled, but they know what they saw was not easily explainable. So the obvious questions remain. Was there a government cover-up? Was there something that we just couldn't deal with and the government didn't know what to do with it and so kept it a secret? Or was there something more sinister that posed a national security threat? Was it some top secret experimental military aircraft capable of defying the laws of physics as we know it, but that over 50 years later we still have not seen? I guess I'll leave that conclusion up to you.